Hey folks, Kyle here. Thank you for listening. Just taking another quick second out here and add on uh, my own show. Figure this is a good time to remind everyone of these shows I got coming up. I'm in Eureka, California. I'm in Portland, Oregon, Seattle, and Oakland, California, all starting actually next week. Basically some dates in there. May 16th in Eureka, 18th in Portland, May 23rd in Seattle, and May 25th in Oakland. Doing my show hard to say, uh, this comedy show I'm working on about living with trigeminal neuralgia. I've gone on and uh, on enough about it on here. I really had a, a lot of fun out in, in Colorado last month, and people came out from the shows, and that was it's the best. Seeing people out at shows who, who like the podcast is just the best, and developing this show about the very odd and difficult thing I'm going through has been a pleasure that is unexpected and makes me very happy, and I'm very proud of the show. Um, like I said, the, I've got those dates coming up, kyleayers.com slash shows. Please grab tickets now. Grab them while you're listening to this. Send it to a friend. Tell them to come out. Seattle, Portland, Eureka, Oakland. Uh, I would love for tickets to get moving a little bit. And so would the venues that are emailing me. And they're just it's going to be a really good time. I hope to see you out. Thank you so much. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Once again, kyleayers.com slash shows. Uh, y'all are the best. Thank you. The absolute the best. It's a good show. In a world where every conversation is about what movie or TV show you've just seen. One comedian, doing his own voiceover for his own podcast due to monetary restrictions, got tired of pretending he's seen The Wire in conversations at parties. This is Never Seen It. Comedians rewriting famous movies and TV shows they've never seen. I'm Kyle Ayers. This is Never Seen It with Kyle Ayers. This is the podcast where I have comedians, writers, friends rewrite famous movies and TV shows that they have never seen, and we will read those scripts here for you. Uh, Today, we are going to do Breaking Bad, written by, and we're joined by Sarah Benincasa. Sarah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Of course. And also here with us, we have Ismail Lutfi. Ismail, how's it going? Hey, I'm all right. Thank you guys for both... Being here, this is a good one. I'm excited for this one because this is my favorite television show or movie of all time. Oh, Uh, I didn't know that when I picked it. I know. I didn't want to say anything before you wrote it. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, I'm excited. I'm excited too. Well, you know, I've only seen part of the pilot. Sure. And I haven't seen the rest, but I've heard so much about it. Sometimes, and and I know this is something that has been covered in your live show by guests. Like, sometimes you feel like you've seen it almost. You feel, yeah. You contextually, culture has given you the entire rundown of the show. Pretty much, yeah. And we'll see. (laughs) Have you seen it? It's the best show. It's the best show. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. It's the show where everyone, I, Everyone's just like, yeah, no, it's the best thing. You know when something's like very good and people are like, oh, yeah, no, LeBron's the best basketball player. He doesn't even come up in the conversation yeah. anymore because he's so good. Uh, and then we're going to end the episode. How we end every episode until he gets tired of doing this for me is with a bit called Guess What Movie My Dad in Missouri is Describing, having only seen the movie trailer and never even heard of the movie. And so we're going to tease a little bit of it right now. And here, here's the one we'll hear at the end. Okay. Why is she breaking the elevator? All right, that's good. I that's a good tease. <laughs> I have a bunch of friends from Missouri. That's awesome. I'm very excited. He is very into it, and he is doing a great job. And <laughs> um, so we'll we'll hear that entire thing, and then you have to guess what movie my dad is describing based on having only watched a trailer, only the trailer of the movie, but probably never heard of the movie. 
He's he has a good radio voice too. He has an he. Oh, if you have, if anyone has listened to the podcast, uh, you will notice he is trying so much harder now. (laughs) The first one was very stoic, like very monotone, and now he is into it a little bit more. And you can hear him sometimes in the downtime, like pretty good, right? Or like talking to the dog, or like Molly, be quiet. I'm going to do this real quick. I love that. So once he becomes the best part of the podcast it'll be an interesting conversation when he leverages contract year uh so we're doing breaking bad today i want to talk about this because it it was it was the last show i think took over the world in real time so most of the time now people binge television shows it's a very big thing you like whether it's like stranger things i think is, is taking it takes over the world when it comes out but everyone watches it on their own time breaking bad Everyone watched it every week, at least for the last couple of years. Do you remember the everyone getting together on Sunday and watching this? Like, they especially and the finale was like a big watch. It was a whole thing. I mean, thing. I, I taught high school in New Mexico for a year uh, after I finished my undergraduate education, and at that time, I had some students when I was leaving who were like, "Yeah, they're building." studios up outside Albuquerque and they're going to do a bunch of shows and films there. And I was like, what? I don't know about that. Um, And so I left and then it happened and Breaking Bad was the first big show that they did there. And they've done so much stuff since, but it really brought a lot of Breaking Bad made a huge difference. I mean, I've even talked to a friend who worked on Breaking Bad and who talks about like how the level of skill in the local crew changed and how the level of local talent, like acting changed over time because the governor, Bill Richardson, who was the governor when I was there, had put in place these all these tax breaks and then also had funded like a training program, a certificate program at a community college where you could just basically learn all kinds of skills for being on set. So some of my students went on to not just be in background and Breaking Bad, but work on other productions. And I've, I know some students now who have their own production company in New Mexico. What an incredible thing to like prompt an industry in an area because of a show's success. Uh-huh. In a show's like, it is synonymous with the area. The area is a character, like the location is a character in the program as well. The program, am I my grandma? The program? <laughs> your stories? Uh, <laughs> I love my stories. <laughs> you want to put this in your skits? Yeah. Um, <laughs> It is. It is very much, and 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 you've seen it. It's, yeah. it's like it is as big a part of the show as it's anything. So many cactuses. So many cactuses. The whole show. It's it, like how the city is the fifth friend. <laughs> in sex in the city, you know. Oh, and the seventh friend. In and the seventh friend. Woody in friends. Um, <laughs> is it? Uh, this is a this is a sort of a tangent story, but I went to the University of Missouri in Columbia, Missouri. When you're talking about like the way that. Production is treated in an area. So Columbia, Missouri, the University of Missouri is a very picturesque campus. It looks like college. It's like half like Missouri limestone, big, old, gothic structures. And the rest of them are like very sort of like D.C. government looking big domes, large brick buildings. And in the 80s, the Animal House production wanted to shoot on campus. And they had to give the script to the university to shoot on the campus. And the university said, this is smut. Correct. We will not shoot here. This movie is trash and will not be a thing. And so they went to the University of Oregon, Eugene, and shot it. And That's it became they like shot yeah, it? and it became like the biggest college movie of all time. Huh. And when that exploded, the University of Missouri now has all these laws. It's like we cannot deny people from shooting things oh here. God. It is free to shoot here. Do whatever you want. So I had a friend who basically oh just made a movie that ended up it's all it became like a feature film that was showed all over the country. He shot on credit cards all around Columbia because 
no one, everyone would go out of their way to help. Because it was so cheap. It's so cheap. You pay no taxes. On, it's every, and That's plus awesome. you can also, every place will let you almost trump classes to shoot there. Because they're like, well, we can't turn down what will be the next animal house. They're like, Hollywood. Like last time. At a, I went to grad school. Like after I taught in New Mexico, I went to grad school at Teachers College at Columbia in New York and to get my master's in, in teaching for grades. It was like English for grades 7 through 12. And I was on the Teachers College campus, which is farther uptown. It's like 120th Street. But the beautiful quad down at 116th Street is what you see when you see shots of Columbia. It's gorgeous. And there is a library there. It's stunning. And the story goes that I was told that was actually in like the some of the admissions literature that I got um, or the introductory literature was that when they were shooting Ghostbusters, they shot something that was I think it's that scene is supposed to be at the New York Public Library with the big lion statues out front. That's like iconic library. But they actually shot at Columbia in their library. So they shot like the opening scene with Slimer and the um, librarian in the, I guess, the basement or the lower level, which is like the rare books collection. And they had sworn up and down that they wouldn't damage anything. But they fucked up uh, uh, some rare and valuable books with slime, basically. (laughs) So now you can't film in there. And what a get Slimer was to have in that movie. He really was. He was very busy. They were shooting in like, what, 82, (laughs) came out 83, I think. He was very busy that year. Because he was probably in other things that's so i love little things like that are i then associate like i watched the hateful eight on an airplane which is also an incredible movie to have the person next to you watching without being able to hear what you're doing i've never seen and it is it awesome so it, it's good uh, and it's like i like tarantino movies like, yeah, i really like right. bodily dialogue slow movies mm-hmm. and so someone's like oh it's it's almost like someone doing it seemed to me like someone was doing an impression of a quentin tarantino yeah, movie exactly Jeez. and there's a scene where what is his name Kurt Russell smashes a guitar, and that was an improvisation that he did. It was like a thing he decided to do, and it fit the character very well. You remember when he smashes that guitar? No, when I she's, don't. She plays the song on the guitar. The, the the It's kind of a spoiler, but it's like the movie's seven hours long, so I yeah. couldn't spoil it if I wanted I to. I also saw it on a plane. I yeah. think everybody sees it. It probably doesn't benefit from being on a plane either. No. Because um, he seems like a very deliberate director. <laughs> He's m- making these choices. <laughs> but so, so so a woman's playing on a song on guitar. She stops, and Kurt Russell smashes the guitar against the column. As like an emphasis. Well, that guitar was a one-of-a-kind, handmade, priceless museum <gasps> artifact oh, that Quentin no. Tarantino had put in there. And if you watch the scene, I cannot remember the actress's name, you see her face she, break whoa. because she knows this is a museum artifact. Because it's her prop. She's playing the song. She knows it's a museum artifact, and the museum is now like, we're no longer letting any movie or television show <laughs> use a single thing. Was it, Kurt Russell it, unaware? Or unaware. was he like, fuck it? Oh, Either way, he I seems mean, like a he nice seem like man. Some, yeah. And he smashed it, and it is, it's not a million dollars, it is a priceless guitar. He was like, let me jerk off on this Stradivarius and then take a shit on it and set it on fire. You know, it's in character, though. Yeah, it's in character. it works. If it works, you know, whatever serves the moment. <laughs> that's Do that, the work. That's what you say until you're the producer who has to call the museum. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm sorry, is this the Metropolitan Museum of Art? Yeah, hey, um, real quick. Are you sitting down? <laughs> Kurt Russell t- took a shit on a lute that may have been played by christ you know how you loaned us uh, lucy you know how you loaned us the lucy bones kurt russell put him on like a mask and he's dancing around <laughs> it's not even for the movie this is a cartoon and the met is like well he's wonderful i just like his facial hair i loved overboard <laughs> that's him right so i think the, <laughs> thank god thank so, god so what i think about with i think about okay so with i'm not gonna the transitioning or staying on uh what's it called 
point topic. task? Yeah. Who cares? I heard you almost laughing over there. And uh, <laughs> Do you want me to make the, this I noise know, for a I want to know what the last... Sh- I like that. That's a very like Breaking Bad oh, yeah. sound effect. For sure. Right. I'm That's not great. good at it. Great. What is the last show you watched as it came out all the way through? Or at least like a majority of it. You got on board and you had to finish it in real time. Both, um, both of you, if you have a... Uh, probably either Broad City or Master of None, I guess. Okay. Master of None's a little different because you don't have to wait a week. Well, Broad City, same thing. I mean, I haven't watched TV TV uh, in a a while um, just because I'm, uh, you know, I I think, I guess it's more Because you're live this year. Yeah. It's more convenient to watch it (laughs) in other ways. So I haven't had like a... So I'm wondering like the last time you had to wait a week to think because that was the punishment of Breaking Bad was Uh, finishing Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Uh Yeah. It was a few few seasons ago. Game of Thrones. And so you're like on, you watch that right now. And when it comes back, you watch it on Sundays or Mondays or I mean, you know, it's a bunch of fucking white people and there's like, and it's, there's violence and rape and then some shit happens. And there's some like not as great parts of it too. Yeah. I mean, it's like kind of like there's nothing, there's nothing. I mean, listen, (laughs) it's wonderful. It's epic. It's fantastic. But there's nothing in it that I'm like, oh, wait, a girl got raped and then someone had an English accent. All right. Like there's nothing that's really going to surprise me. Well, they didn't get that from the rape. I don't think they had it. No, that's what happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like leveling up. Hashtag me too. That's what happens. So it's a very British hashtag. Uh, it's okay because I, I said it. You won't get letters. It's fine. Don't yeah. worry about it. We won't get letters anyways. <laughs> <laughs> what if somebody wrote to you an actual letter on like parchment? We're, we're having a conversation about how forward we are with watching television. I watch television on my phone on planes and someone's like, I got to write a letter to this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad. Yeah, I guess, you know, probably a few seasons ago, like for a while I was, I was living with a boyfriend who was very into TV and I, I love TV as well, but I, I mean, he was into watching it on the TV when it comes out. Whereas I'm like, eh, I'll wait a few days. I know mm-hmm. where to avoid most spoilers and, eh, you know, but, but it was, it was a thing. It was like one of the only ways that we really bonded towards the end of that lengthy relationship was to watch like what's happening on bar rescue this week. What's <laughs> happening on game of Thrones. Yeah. Like, ah, the two, the two the shows both. that keep relationships together, yep, bar rescue and game of Thrones. <laughs> that and like having a dog together. We were like, we can stretch this out another six months. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you guys would like keep up with these, like this is on. Sunday. It was a fun What's thing for us to do. I mean, I think that TV, um, we, you know, because this is our first TV episode, by the oh. way, we've done only movies up until this point. I mean, I love television very, very much. Um, I love that I can watch it on my own time around my schedule. Yeah, but it can be. I would. I mean, I would honestly really like to have a show that was a, a community slash friend watching event. You know, I know some. I've never seen The Bachelor, but um, I know some women who get together and watch it, or The Bachelorette, or whatever. Yeah. And I, it seems like they have a lot of fun with it. So I think that'd be cool. Maybe I just like need the last more friends. Thing we did that with was the presidential debates. Oh, oh yeah, for so sure. Fun. Yeah, that episode of hell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not caught up, so don't spoil it. But Well, uh, it doesn't end well. <laughs> <laughs> so what is... Okay, so what about you? What's the last time we sat and, uh, and watched something? Like, you're like, I'm... This is... I. This show takes precedent, I suppose. Westworld, I think. Westworld? Yeah. So, like, every Sunday, Monday, every maybe you Sunday, would watch it. Every Sunday, watch it. I don't think it has a future... I think it's going to get worse. <laughs> Are that's they all kinda, robots? That's exactly yeah. how I felt Ugh. about it. It's it's our Lost. It's like the new Lost. I have invested so much time. I can talk about Lost all day. Uh. Now is probably not the time. For, I like that. I'm like, oh, I have this podcast to talk about this stuff. <laughs> I only now saw is not one the time episode. to talk about this stuff. I saw part of one episode. Lost is 
an anomaly. It is yeah. people put themselves through six seasons of eighty-five percent of it is not good, and it would delve into being great once every nine episodes, and then you were like, "Well, I got to know how it ends." It's the ultimate of that. And then yeah. it ended, and you're like, I guess I didn't have to know how it ended. Doesn't it end in like a fucking church and everybody's it's there? It's like purgatory. It's like a metaphor. Uh, if it's even a metaphor to be in a church moving on to the afterlife, <laughs> I think that's a literal. It's just kinda, it's, this is how people behave when you talk about loss. They put their heads in their hands <laughs> and they shake their head. Um, I saw an episode where people fucked in a cage while some dude from Party of Five was sad. So that's my takeaway from Lost. That was a good episode. Yeah, that's actually, actually a pretty good episode. So people <laughs> fuck in a cage. So you would watch Westworld uh, and you kind of keep up with it. When's the point where you're watching this show Yeah, and you're like, I'm going to keep watching it even though I don't know if it's good? I mean, I think at the, at the very – it's a good show. The first season's pretty good, right? Like you're you afraid it's it. going to be shitty though because it, it, you're afraid it hit the ceiling of how good it can get. Yes, and I don't want to spoil it, but the last episode you're like – there's no way they're going to keep making good TV. So there's this. a big reveal that seems to give away the whole game of the show. Kind of, yeah. If it, they can yeah. transcend Some that, though, yeah. won't that be mind-blowing? Like, if they can actually make it even that, better? That would be incredible. be pretty cool. Yeah. I that watched the finale incredible. of that show, and I thought, because I thought it was okay up until that point. It was at least interesting, and you had to see what was going to happen. I watched the season finale of Westworld, and I was like, it seems like the show got canceled halfway through writing the finale. And they're yeah. like, how do we wrap everything up yeah. in an hour? And then they tried. So we'll see what happens. But I don't think there's too many people who watch something like, oh, Monday night I have to go sit and watch this. It's like oh, a Tuesday fun – I mean, I think our, our culture is is so sort of more and more inclined to um, isolation and, and kind of emphasis on the individual in a sense. And I'm thinking specifically of how we work. Mm-hmm. More and more people are working from home, even if they work for a big corporation or a big nonprofit or what have you. It's cheaper for people to work at home alone. The um, water cooler freelance going work. away. Right. Yeah. So that's why I think that it's uh, – to have like appointment television is kind of great. It's like a throwback in a sense, and mm-hmm. it sounds fun. As we're talking about, it, I'm getting very nostalgic. I'm like, <laughs> who am I going to appointment TV with? Do you know what is something that a lot of people? Because I, I, I could, I have this. This whole show started because of television, and then moved into movies because a lot of people haven't seen a lot of movies, and there's an overwhelming amount of television right now. That's true. And there's probably more streaming services I have never heard of than there were television shows 10 years ago. And right. this so much – I think maybe the water cooler now is maybe like Twitter. Yeah, I would say and so. And people live on there. And I a lot of appointment television, at least for people who I know watch TV, and this is so bizarre, was at midnight. I have friends oh, yeah. who I grew up with who that was the thing. That was the comedy that they liked to watch. Wow. They liked to watch it every night because it was almost participatory. <laughs> Even if you're yelling into a void, which is, you know, that's all I do with comedy anyway. It's like we're all yelling into the void. And and they were like, well, that I watch when it's on because it it almost invented, not invented, but like made its water cooler out of Twitter. Well, it was, it right. was very soothing. There's a soothing aspect to that in that it's a community experience. So you're, you know, it's midnight and you are going to watch the show until what, 1230? Was it mm-hmm. a half hour? Yeah. And then I don't know how they would sustain it for an hour, but it's, it's a half hour and you presumably have to wake up uh, after it's over. You have to wake up like seven, seven and a half hours later and then you go to work. So you can get in like a decent night's sleep. So it makes sense to me that that's what people would watch right before. As I suppose sleep. people used to watch The Tonight Show mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. go to sleep. And I think some people still do. I know my parents, they really like to watch uh, Colbert. And they'll watch that sort of like as a wind-down thing if they're up. 
that later if they've woken back up and kind of it's the way but for the longest time it was there was just you know you watched the thing that was on the thing and then you went to bed it's i mean i think that's why there's so many i'm 37 and i think there are so many people um who are my age and older and i'm not one of them but um who were found letterman so soothing or lovely or delightful or whatever and very funny and i mean yes i found it very funny i'm just saying i didn't grow up like i didn't have a tv in my bedroom for most of my life so i wasn't it wasn't like I could just watch it, but a lot of people, I guess, did, or they yeah. fell asleep in front of the couch. So they have this very positive memory. I mean, Drew Barrymore, I remember saying that when she was a little kid and her mom was like a party girl and, you know, she had kind of a difficult childhood that she came to think of him as almost a substitute father figure in a sense, because he was always there and dependable. And I think that's why people make such a emotional connection to those long living late night talk shows. Mm-hmm. I think that's, yeah, people feel very intimately, they they almost, I imagine it could be, they might think that he knows them, Mm -hmm. they have such a connection to him, do you know what I mean? Oh, sure, when you're a little kid, I mean, the the sort of, that that fourth wall is pretty permeable. Mm -hmm. I remember when I would, I felt like I was sneaking to watch Conan. And I always thought I think I think what made me like Conan first was because he seemed like the one my parents were the least into. Yeah, because he was and weird love and young. Him. I think he's hilarious. It's not like my parents disagree with it. You know, they they'll think he's funny, but they just they you know they like Letterman, and no one liked Leno. At least like he like wasn't even they liked Letterman, so he, Leno was just the he wasn't around. But then I just like watching Conan because he was younger, and he was like goofy. And he had funny hair. He and did weird shit. Kind of, Andy was great stuff. and still is. And yeah. oh, still, it's so incredible. If I could make a whole show just telling people that his pre-tape stuff right now is the funniest stuff that's being made anywhere, just go watch the pre-tape yeah. stuff. I get on his YouTube and I like catch up with a hundred pre-tape things sometimes. Or something. But I like became a fan of that. And it just seemed almost like he was sneaking a late night talk show in. <laughs> I think he was at first. I, I think was. for that first season, people were like, what? I guess he was towards the end too. Yeah. And they, they were like, are you still doing this? He's like, I'll leave, I'll leave, I'll leave, I'll leave. <laughs> um, but it, it felt a little bit, I don't know if it was edgy, but it felt edgy. Maybe just because it was. No, I think it was. I think it absolutely, because when the, the, the good thing about not having all eyes on you is that you can make some mistakes or take some incredible risks artistically and right. And then when people start paying attention is when Mm -hmm. I think it gets a little bit more scary. You you can't even tassel a presidential candidate's hair. You can't, you can't. (laughs) God, we all love that show so much. Okay. That's so good. So so if we're talking about we can talk about movies or television shows, whatever's like I don't know, we'll lump them together uh for the whole we've been doing that already. So I wanna know like what is the one thing that stands out, maybe aside from breaking bad for you, Sarah, between the, for both of you, what is the, the thing that you've never seen that comes up all the time? The wire. The wire, you've never seen the wire? Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm the same. The wire. <gasps> yeah. Appointment television. Yeah. See, there you go. You and me. Does it count if I tried? I, I think it might episode. be even a little bit more. I like think there it's might be a little bit more than you try. I think it's more quirky and because wild. Because it's like not having time, there's an excuse, but yeah. not liking people will tell you you're incorrect. You're oh, broken. yeah. People you're get broken. very offended. What happens? People think I'm racist. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like I the don't wire. I don't like the wire. If you don't like uh, programmed entertainment featuring someone of a particular skin color, a religion, or uh, uh, sexuality, then you are a bad person. Exactly. That's true. That's true. It's written in the Bible, the only book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm a racist. <laughs> 
racist for other reasons, not just the wire. These people, you guys don't even know why you're right. <laughs> it just, I don't, I don't like anything with cops being that are like typical cops, you know? That's yeah. how it felt to me. Do you like a jazzy cop? I like doing jazz, dances? I like an interesting cop. You so, were probably born after Cop Rock. That was a musical program cop rock? about cops. It's that, that's a cop. That's Look a movie where if, when you put it in your mouth, it blows up over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> a nice set of Cop Rocks. <laughs> Look, I swear to God, Perfect. look it up. It was on Fox, I think, for like a season. Cop Rock. Real show. <laughs> it sounds, everything you're saying about it sounds like you're making fun of Fox. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just, it, sometimes all you have to do is tell the truth about Fox That's in like true. the late 80s, early 90s before yeah. it was a powerhouse. But man, when you hit one home run with a cartoon, you mm-hmm. can put anything else on the air that you want. You can. Damn. So the Simpsons was just there for Cop Rock. There's something so incredible about the Simpsons putting in their first contract that they're allowed to mock Fox and it, they can't get notes about it. Oh, he has the Cop oh, wow. Rock poster. It looks like we yep, made it as a bit. Thank you. Damn. It looks like a porn. Well... For some people, musical theater is pornography. (laughs) Some people get real boners at Sunday in the Park with George (laughs) Hamilton. So when you're at any party... And the wire comes up, which it, that's what happens at parties now. Is you're at a party because I've also yeah. never it does, seen no, the wire. No, that does happen for you'll real. Just, once it gets quiet for three seconds, someone will be like, "What's the best season of the wire?" That's just how you fill time now. It is the show that prompted this show. Yeah, was I was tired. Of, I felt like I could talk to you about what season was most derivative. I've never even heard of it. I don't couldn't tell you who's in it. Yeah. Well, the season at the newspaper was very special to me. Isn't it me. crazy how the intro music changes yeah. every season? And you're just like, oh, I don't know if this one's as Can you fitting. fucking believe Omar gets killed by a kid? Me neither. <laughs> Omar. Damn. I at least know he's in it. Uh, Surprise. Is, is that a thing? So That's when you, the finale. When you tell, do you tell people I tried it and didn't like it? I do. I tell them. I tell them the whole cop. I do the cop spiel. That's rehearsed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do the cop spiel right now. All right, we're at a party. Hey, um, Ismail, hi. I'm a millennial and fertile and single. <laughs> um, sometimes I wear American apparel and I play the violin in my spare time. I like to knit, but also like I'm cool and I volunteer downtown. I'm also right. super hot. Are those Warby uh-huh. Parkers? Uh, yeah, they are Warby Parkers. Thank you so much. Yeah, you, did you have you ever heard of it before? Kyle, get the yeah, fuck out of here. Yeah. She's talking to me. Sorry, yeah, I'm just thanks. hanging out trying to get. She's to fertile. Go, trying to get I'm to the fridge. I'm very and get this fertile, and I've had several abortions, and I'd like to have oh. yours, Ismail. Oh. let's get into it. What's your favorite season of The Wire? Oh, uh oh. <gasps> Wait, can you not pick because they're all so good? Uh, oh, Samesies. Uh, um, well, <laughs> this is your reading rainbow moment. <laughs> LeVar Burton shows up and is like, actually. <laughs> Sidebar, I'd just lie and be like, four with Marie. I'd oh, my God. We're going to have so much sex because <laughs> Marie was great. Marie was my favorite cop. Oh, shit. Don't okay. you love how great cops are portrayed God, in it? I really love cops so much. Do you ever feel so? I was watching. Do you ever feel like maybe The Wire is the reason that like things were created because of the wire that seemed like the stereotype that turned you off to how cops are portrayed. Oh, wow. Like, like do you ever wonder if, logic? if like the, th- yeah, maybe it invented the thing that everything ripped off and now you hate that there's a million of them. Like if, Oh, I like, see what you're saying. My, yeah, like, yeah. I, I watched the matrix with my brother who's 10 years younger than me and he wasn't, he's watching it like, mm. Oh yeah, that's the way people fight in movies, but I can't get across to him. Right. It wasn't until the matrix came right. out. This was the most important thing. That's a good point. And they invented it, but now it looks like yeah. they're just another one of them. And I don't know if that's how the wire I was think with cops. Good cop, bad cop has existed. Like that concept. I was just asking you, were there police officers before the wire? No. Okay. 
Oh, there weren't. Oh, well, fuck. Mm-mm. So do you think it's? Things do you think better. it plays off of a trope that's been around forever? In yes. Stuff? I okay. think that entire show is just good cop, bad cop. It's like there's a good cop and a dirty one, and they're at odds, and one of them is a lesbian. That's like the whole show. And she's the best cop. I'm is that sure. Marie? She probably is. That's Marie. I bet she's Marie. Season four. <laughs> yes. You're going to fuck those Warby Parkers. <laughs> That's what so this girl's fertile. into, by the way. Very fertile. Wants you to fuck her Warby. Wants you to fuck a hole in her Warby Parkers. And then she'll marry you. So what do you do in the industry? Okay, I'm just going to keep the conversation going. Uh, I'm a script supervisor in my mind. <laughs> uh, I hang around the set of baskets. <laughs> It just feels really raw. It just, it's not what you expect. I like stuff that uh, I'm just here to disrupt an industry. <laughs> I'm a disruptor. I'm a disruptor. I'm a disruptor. Kind of a freelance industry disruptor. <laughs> and then you're like, and for those reasons, I'm out. And you the I just want to talk about Shark Tank. I think it's the oh, best show. Shark Tank is oh, something that my so ex-boyfriend good. loved to watch. We would watch that too. That might be the only must-watch. T- that's the only show I could tell you when Absolute it's on. Absolute must-see TV. Night. That's oh, the only thing I can tell you fun. when it's on. I'll, watch, I'll try to get my dad to watch it, but my dad and I both will do this. My dad and I both get um, embarrassed for other people while watching things happening on TV. I think oh, we for sure. get mm. very deeply focused and some and overly empathetic with television and film. Yeah. So it's easier when it's a fictional program, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know that this is these are not real people. But still, my dad and I will sort of like put our hands over our face and yeah. peek. Mm-hmm. And But when it's a reality show, that's when it gets really, uh, that's where we're both yeah. like, oh, I feel bad for that person. This is very difficult. However, I have bought uh, products from Shark Tank. Oh, I got that happy face scrubber. I got the honey. Wow. This this like little boy made honey. Yeah. I don't know what his name was. He had some issues uh, on a farm and then there was honey and I bought it. It was not very good, <laughs> huh. but I felt great about it. There is, it is, it is the, every, this, the people I know who, who love Shark Tank the most are people I'm friends with on Twitter who are socialists. <laughs> this blows my mind, but I think about it all the time. The people who I know who, which it is literally competitive capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, no, Shark Tank's the best show. Because they're not really socialists. They read a book once at uh, if Hampshire. They're, if they're not really socialists, how'd that rose get in their Twitter name? <laughs> <laughs> they went to Hampshire and they're like, I think I'm going to be different. Uh, Bernie seems like a different flavor of pie. And then they create an online identity. But at base, you know what they want? Shark Tank. That's what they want. That's who they really are. Part of them is just waiting for Mark Cuban to just flash those pearly white chompers at them. And then it's capitalism all the way, baby. If Shark Tank was an episode... Black Mirror could have made Shark Tank before Shark Tank was a show and people have been like, yeah, that's an episode well, where everyone goes on and tries to sell their dreams. Okay, I haven't seen Black Mirror. I need to, but I have seen many episodes you know of the Twilight Zone. It's the and same. Thus, it, imagine if the Twilight Zone was a little more heavy-handed and less for good. sure. Oh my God. Black Mirror is great. It's great, but the Twilight Zone is a little more subtle. I, I'm not over several I aspects. I think that. Black Mirror, sometimes I'm like, wouldn't, wouldn't it be crazy if there was an episode of Black Mirror where technology was bad? In the future? <laughs> I'd like to do... It's the Banksy of television shows. Uh, the I'd ones like, I like, I like right. a lot, but the rest of them, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Corporations are bad. I want to do a mashup of uh, the episode of... I think it's called The Librarian. I can't remember. It's the episode of Twilight Zone where Burgess Meredith is like, all he wants is more time to read, and then he breaks his glasses. But oh. I want to do it a mashup with the fantasy that we were acting out where that girl needs you to fuck Warby <laughs> Parker's. <laughs> and I want to like CGI you in there where you're fucking his glasses. <laughs> See, because that is the best episode of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> it is. Because that is the, the highest, most specific stakes, and then it has such an incredible. Oh, I love it. And I think I think Black Mirror's best episodes are as good as anything with the Twilight Zone, but I think some of them are a little bit 
much. I'm gonna. Some that's something much. I will binge because I don't. That's I'm great. not typically a binge watcher, but I will binge watch Black Mirror. It's yeah. good. And the shark. There is a Shark Tank episode. Pretty much, where they're all on bikes and oh, you're right. It's like the voice shark bikes. I guess it is that it's basically like succeed at a at the voice enough to get yourself out of monotony. Yes, be like just have any talent to get your otherwise you're that one's not bad. That's a great episode. Um, okay, I feel great right now. I feel everyone feels great. Oof, I feel good. I write well. I I binge. It's the Banksy of television shows. I can't get that really is, but it because it's like. The stuff of Banksy's I like. I'm like, oh, he is incredible, and I really like this work, and it's subtle, and it's small. It's just a girl with a balloon or something like that. And then people are like, "What?" he's like, also, I remade Disneyland, and it's bad. I'm like, can't you just do the balloon? Just do the girl balloon. I know Disney's bad. You don't have to tell me. But he does need to tell you because he's very important. He's an artist with a capital A. He, oh, did you know um, that we're cruel to animals that become meat? I didn't know it until Banksy drove no, around Manhattan with a car full of fake sheep. I had no idea. But his art's good on the walls. Anyways, we got to move on to the games, right? I could feel Andrew telling me to move on with his hands Andrew's from like, me. listen, um, you got to get off the Banksy tip. I know you telling hate us Banksy. telling us to move on is now the third character of this show. It's the, it's the Albuquerque, New Mexico of this podcast. Do you rant about a different artist and Andrew has to, like every episode, is he like, oh, we know you don't like Matthew <laughs> yeah. Barney. Like you need to just <laughs> fucking, yeah, okay, uh, do you, calm no, down. No, it's Banksy every time. It's, it's Banksy not gonna every be a good time. Podcast. Every time at 25 minutes in. He starts going in on Banksy. Banksy. Um, (laughs) I love these toys. So we're gonna play a couple games here, and then we're gonna. It's so fun. I have so many of these. Please play with them. Um, People are always like, you know what helps radio is uh, unorganized instrumental. Mm. Will you hold this for me for a moment? All right, this is our our you can't transitional music. Oh, All right, wait, God. we're, we're, uh, never mind. I wasn't going to tell you, that but you got to hang it on something so it oh. can vibrate. But he was just uh, holding Santa's a triangle. Here. Santa's he was here. just holding the triangle. Uh, <laughs> okay, so, 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 so we're going to play two games. The first game is I'm going to read you guys some IMDb trivia facts about a movie, and you have to tell me what movie you believe. And they are, they are movies. Okay. What movie okay. you believe these are IMDb trivia facts cool. from. And. Really, I guess both movies that are newer than 1990. That'll give you a starting point, okay? Okay. All right, so here's movie one. Macaulay Culkin was the director's first choice for the lead. The bad seed. That would, if you had got it, that would have been insane. It's not, and if I went to the bad seed on IMDb and I was like, what's this one about? <laughs> but I didn't. I just hit random movie. This, is the, this was the highest grossing R-rated film at the worldwide box office until it was beaten by Deadpool in 2016. Fuck. Die Hard. That's PG-13, right? And why would Macaulay Culkin be in the lead in Die Hard oh, in like wait, 1991? Oh, sorry. I didn't, I didn't understand the uh, game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all the same. It's First all the same First of all, movie. he it's says yippee-ki-yay motherfucker, which is an, an R That's word. true. That's, well, the, that's the slapping of his cheeks of 1991. Is that R? Is... Can we look up whether or not Die Hard is R? Okay. Absolutely. It is? Absolutely. Okay. My I guess otherwise are... it would be Die Ha PG-13. To... <laughs> my God. We're having a good time. My agents are, oh my are located near but not in Nakatomi Plaza. And I, whenever I go over to Century City, what I do is I go look at Nakatomi Plaza and I take a picture and I send it to somebody. And no one ever thinks it's cool or fun, but I think it's great every time. You know, I haven't seen Die Hard. 
Is that from really? that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a twi- it's where Twentieth Century Fox is headquartered. Okay. So 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 far, Macaulay Culkin was the director's first choice for oh, the lead of this okay. movie. This is the highest grossing R-rated film uh, at the worldwide box office until Deadpool beat it in 2016. All right. An assistant director was hit twice by lightning during filming. I wish it was powder. It would be very right. on brand. This is. Do you, do you think you know what it is? Okay. This is rated number one of the 25 most controversial movies of all time, according to Entertainment, Entertainment Weekly. It was published in 2010. Number one? Number one. Maybe it was published in 2012. Wait, so, okay. So, Macaulay Culkin was the director's first choice for the lead. Highest grossing R-rated movie of all time until Deadpool. Assistant director was struck by lightning twice during filming. Most controversial movie of all time, according to Entertainment Weekly. Here's the next. Here, this, a little kid gets. Here, here's the last trivia fact. He's evil in it. Like, this has much. never been released in Israel due to lack of interest. Huh. What bores Jews? <laughs> that um, is, a, you have, that's a correct hunch. What bores Jews? So it's a <laughs> I movie think we have a that, title for this episode it's a, too. It's a movie where a child is uh, evil or is Mac- di- or has been hurt in a way okay, that help is you. dull Culkin to Jewish would not people. Have played a child in the homeland. Not a child. Oh, um, and Jews are very bored. Most controversial movie. The Jews in the movie are actually pretty engaged in what's happening. Um, It's Munich, and he was he was supposed to play Golda Meir. It's not not Spielberg. Was like, I need him for my air. Jews are very involved. They're, I mean, they're there. Yeah. Uh, The filmmaker has thoughts on Jews. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, is it like a? It's got to be a Gibson, Mill Gibson. Has he made a movie? Oh, What's his last movie he made? Oh, okay. Highest grossing. Think about a movie Fucking that billions of people would go see. Of uh, the but Patriot? was rated R. The Patriot. Uh, I I. Uh, the movie started. The first letter of the title of the movie is a lowercase oh, t. Passion of the Jew. <laughs> oh, Passion of the Jew. Passion, Passion of the Jew. <laughs> Yes. Uh, pass, uh, could you imagine Macaulay Culkin was, was is who he wanted to play Jesus? I have always felt that Culkin was a Christ figure uh, in the tradition <laughs> of the Fisher King archetype. That's true. Home for Alone, sure. Yeah, Home yes. Alone took place mostly, wow. but that's his purgatory. Home Alone is a great lesson about religion, and it's mostly ultimately about the futility of resistance to death. Right. Damn. That's and why they called it Lost in, in New York. Yeah, exactly. And Trump Because it was it. all capitals lost after the television show. We're really crossing over a lot of different items of crossing pop culture over, huh? here. Yeah. Uh, I worked right. with a lady who was really into Passion of the Christ. They marketed that brilliantly to churches in the South. Yeah. People would take their whole church. They, I'm sure they did in Missouri, too. Yeah. And uh, this lady was like, I just, you go to see it. And um, I'm doing that accent because that was her accent. You go to see it and you just, that actor, like, you just look at him and his eyes are so beautiful. And you just feel like, you feel like he's Christ. And I'm like, really? Okay. Wow. It was the eyes that did it. Jim Heavy's deal. <laughs> of all the context clues, what made you realize that was Jesus? <laughs> the eyes. His eyes. And here, just, okay. They were blue, so you could tell it was very Eurocentric Christ. This which is felt this good is one me. of the trivia things about Passion of the Christ that it blew my mind. And I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't have it pulled up here. The shot where they're hammering Jesus into the cross. Mm-hmm. Mel Gibson did it. He put he one goes and those oh, are my yeah. hands, so I can uh, be a. Uh, absolved of my sins or whatever or like he wants to be held accountable for his sins so he filmed himself he is actually who nails the ha- jesus to the cross in the wow. movie wow that's so poetic it's just you know, <laughs> yeah. i once did a live drunk uh 
a reaction with a panel of friends to uh, Passion of the Christ. They had some show where they would react drunk and live, and it was pretty funny to things. And one of those, there's like a million versions. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, this one was like an Easter weekend, so we did Passion of the Christ. Sure. It was real fun. Is there a director's commentary? Someone look that up. We need mm, to find out. I need a Criterion collection. Right. We got a uh, Criterion collection. Criterion uh, collection. Uh, Kyle. Here's our next movie. I actually wrote that down before, and I was hoping someone would say Criterion. Warby Parker's. Movie two. So we got one, two, three, four. We got six trivia facts. Oh, God. Movie. I'm going to stop talking so much. It is. The lead in this film originally turned down the main role because he didn't want to play a villain. But once someone sat him down and explained the plot to him and he realized he would play a hero for a majority of the film, he signed on. Uh, fucking yeah. Nope. Cool. Uh, next one. Alan Rickman didn't want to be Snape. It's the name of. <laughs> Damn, that's really good. Wow. No, but it's not. But that's uh, in early versions of the script. The main character went to hide at his mother's house. The writers wanted the mother to be played by Jack Nicholson in drag. That like helps not at all with it. I just thought that was insane. Sophie's but, choice. Um. The film and its plot inspired Star Wars The Clone Wars TV series episode Star Wars The Clone Wars Deception, which Obi-Wan Kenobi goes undercover in a Republic prison as a bounty hunter, Reiko Hardeen, which Obi-Wan disguises himself as Hardeen by having face-altered nanotechnology and completes his disguise with a voice emulator droid. Face-off starring John Travolta? It is face-off starring John Travolta. Yeah! <laughs> wow. And here's the other facts. The magnetic boots worn by the prisoners are the same... Boot props worn by the Goombas in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Thank God. That was a John Woo film, right? Uh, not Mario Brothers, but Face <laughs> Off. Face <laughs> Off, yes. Yeah, my favorite part of Mario was all the doves. <laughs> <laughs> and then the studio wanted to take the slash out of the title, but John Woo convinced them not to because he said everyone would think it was a hockey movie. That's a great point, John Woo. I know. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. John slash Woo. John slash Woo. All right, guys. Game two. And then we're getting into the... Oh. Game two, everyone. Sorry, I know everyone listening was like, how are they moving on to the game? Yeah, you need a segue. <laughs> this is a movie before and afters. So I have combined two movies into one movie. Their title has been smushed together into one. One of each movie will be a Brian Cranston movie. Cool. In ode to our Breaking Bad script we're going to get to after this. And so you will combine the titles into one title. So we talked about it beforehand. For instance, something like uh, uh, a robot is used to clean up Wall Street. That would be Wolf of Wally Street. Something Got like it. that. God, I'm going to be bad so with this. here Me too. is our first one. A meth kingpin is taken down in Miami by two rogue do-it-their-way cops. We know you love cop stuff. Who have tension between them because Lowry is romantically involved with Burnett's sister. Oh, this is a play on Miami Vice, but I'm not sure what the other one is. It is not. A wait, wait. meth kingpin. Okay, so that's Breaking Bad. Is taken down in Miami by two rogue do it their way cops who have tension because uh, Will Smith is romantically involved with Martin Lawrence's sister. Oh, Breaking Bad Boys. Breaking Bad Boys Two. Oh. <laughs> Which is a great movie. Okay, they get so much worse. Uh, oh God. This is this is the dumbest ones we've we've done so many dumb ones. One time I, we did Thor Fraggle Rock was the oh, answer to the I question. Love that. And so <laughs> I love um, that. That's an awesome one. A bumbling okay, here's a before and after. A bumbling car salesman in Minneapolis hires two Iranian thugs to take Americans hostage, but six manage to slip away and hide out with a foreign ambassador. Oh, uh 
I have no idea. Wait, say it again. A bumbling car salesman in Minneapolis hires two Iranian... This plot actually meshed together very well. Hires two Iranian thugs to take Americans hostage, but six Americans manage to slip away and hide out with a foreign ambassador. It's a Fargo thing. Yeah, Ar- Argo. Argo. Fargo. Fargo would be the... F- it Fargo. Is. Fargo. It's Fargo. It's Fargo. Oh, is it Fargo? It is Fargo. Ah! No! <laughs> hey! There you go. Um, okay. Uh, the well, next- what's the first one? Fargo and Argo. Yeah, it's Fargo. Whoa, Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Damn. Two young men in Rio de Janeiro take very different life paths. One documents drug-related violence in his hometown, and another fights a giant lizard monster that attacks the town. This movie, the, the Brian Cranston film in this one really came and went very quickly. And... <laughs> He is in the part, okay, two young men in Rio de Janeiro mm-hmm. uh, take very different life paths. I'm already out of it. Can't suspend disbelief. They would One obviously do the same thing. documents drug-related violence in his hometown. Another fights a giant lizard monster. So the, the movie in this that is not a Brian Cranston movie is, is often talked about as one of the greatest movies of all time. And then the one that's a Brian Cranston movie is the part where they fight a giant lizard. Oh. Oh. Uh. Brian Cranston fighting a lizard. He's got to just be like a bit part in that. He was, but they did not market it that way. <laughs> that was the thing. That was the problem. They marketed this as the first movie he did after Breaking Bad. They marketed him as the star of the movie. And I haven't seen it, but sure I'm pretty not. sure he dies like 15 minutes into the movie. Like five Damn. minutes into the movie? Anaconda oh, he's in like five minutes. Two, the condoning. Okay. This one is City of Godzilla. Oh, that's nice. I like that. He was in Godzilla? He was in Godzilla. But wow. he was marketed as the star of Godzilla. Was that the Godzilla? <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. Uh, all right. Last one. Dumbest shove together I've ever done. A circus elephant with comically large ears is blacklisted from Hollywood for <laughs> writing due to his political beliefs. Uh, Tradumbo? Tradumbo is the correct <laughs> answer. Oh, it is Trumbo Dumbo that. combined together. And I like how early on you knew that that's wow. what it was. I named it in one of my books. I named a school. There's a school in New York City called Dalton, this very prestigious private school. And I needed an alt for it in my novel. But it's about Dalton. But so I just called it Trumbo, which entertained me and two readers. <laughs> Anyway. Wow, double the audience I'm expecting for the podcast. Very exciting. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to move on. It's time for Breaking Bad, yes. it's a program that Sarah has never seen. Oh, I am thrilled. So, this is. You'll be doing the, the, the stage directions. The oh, thank God, that's my favorite part. Force here, and, and then um, Jesse. We'll be over here across from me. I'll be playing Walt. And, Be- and bitch, bitch, bitch. Is this you getting into character? Getting into it. Bitch, bitch. You know, I've seen the first season of The Path, which he's on, and I very much enjoyed it. He's great. Yeah, he's a very, he's a delightful the actor. Little, little Breaking Bad trivia fact here before we get into it. They planned on killing him off in but like he was the so sixth delightful. episode of the right. show. And then his chemistry with Brian Cranston, they kept him around. And Aaron Paul didn't know that until... Vince Gilligan was like doing a Comic Con thing, and Vince Gilligan was like, "Yeah, you know." And we thought about killing off Jesse in like episode six, and Aaron Paul's like, "Wait, I'm sorry, what the fuck?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> very see that good." Clip. And he's like, "Wow, that must yeah, be really you, good." It, it's pretty fun to watch. 
I, uh, I shared this script with my friend Jennifer, who is an EP on uh, Better Call Saul, and she uh, worked on Breaking Bad the, the whole way through in different capacities, eventually as a writer and producer, and she liked it a lot. That's great. And I wrote it while I, I had taken a muscle relaxer, <laughs> and um, so I have a herniated disc in my cervical spine. And anyway, the whole point is Jennifer loved it, so I feel great about it. So it's going to be great. I think we will put together a whole episode of people prefacing their scripts because <laughs> it has been an incredible journey to go on. <laughs> Muscle relaxers Muscle and relaxer, my friends. Right, exactly. And then someone who's intimately involved with the subject matter. It feels a little disrespectful that I haven't seen this world that my friend has worked in for so many years. That's okay. Um, but I felt like this was a nice way to show her that I care. I've never watched a stand-up set. Oh, that's In fine. Any capacity. That's fine. So. Your life is better. Your life is better for it, my friend. Okay, so here we. Uh, what is you want to? I'll give you a little, and you want to. You can start it. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's the? Can I have an egg shaker? I think that's going to be a good one for this. Oh, perfect. Nice catch, bro. Breaking Bad is a program I have not seen, written by Sarah Benincasa, based on the parts of the pilot I saw and other stuff I've heard. <laughs> Interior trailer day. We're in a trailer. It's a trailer where people make meth. Specifically, those people are Walt, a handsome middle-aged guy who looks gnarly because hair and makeup shaved his his head, and Jesse, a handsome younger guy who looks handsome, but like he thinks Sublime was good, and that one shitty guitar solo in that one single was, in fact, a motherfucking riot, which it most assuredly was not. They're wearing matching aprons that say, ask me about my meth. Remember how I'm a teacher, but I'm dying of cancer, so I cook meth? Yes. They continue to cook meth. I am very attractive, and my wife is a multi-layered complex character who is too often called a shrew, and also Saul is involved. You'd better call him. You'd better call him, LOL, in a prequel that will come out in the future. Jesse throws down his meth-making tools in frustration. But how do they handle continuity? One of the writers spoke about it at the WGA Sublime Primetime event before the Emmys in 2017. He was lovely, and it was illuminating. It's probably archived online on the website. And also, Lena Waithe was there. Love her. Thanksgiving was such a great ep. She deserved a nom for that shit. That win was earned. Meth! Meth. (laughs) I love dual dialogue. It's my favorite part of Final Draft. The cooking of meth continues. I don't know what this looks like, but production will sort it out. Probably someone on the New Mexico-based crew knows, not to stereotype folks from New Mexico, where I taught high school in Las Cruces for a year at a charter school for the arts. Cut to interior, a bathroom, day. They're doing things in a bathtub. Not sex. Walt and Jesse don't do sex to each other. They cook meth. Maybe it's they're so soothing, cooking meth so soothing. in the bathtub, or they put a dead body in it covered in lye. I forget. I saw part of the pilot. It was good. Fuck, man. Shit. Bitch. We need to learn about intersectional feminism. (laughs) Walt and Jesse sit down and read a seminal 1989 paper by Kimberlé Crenshaw, a law (laughs) professor at UCLA and Columbia, and a leading scholar and philosopher on race theory. The bathtub falls through the floor. Can a man be a white feminist? Possibly, because white feminism isn't about the color of your skin or your gender so much as it's about participation and the privilege associated with your whiteness, Jesse. So you control yourself as a white person in all debate. Instead of listening to and acting in conjunction with women of color, you take it upon yourself to act on their behalf like some sort of avenging 
angel. Because really, you just want the attention. It's, look how good I am at not being a racist. Pay attention to me. Instead of support women of color who are excellent at their craft slash art, pay attention to them. Excellence is key here. It's not about tokenism. It's about noticing the treasure you've ignored. White feminism is like trying to be the head cheerleader. And uh, someone's going to take all this out of context and say, I just said all of these things. No, and then you'll get a bunch of, like, liberal arts pussy from, like, <laughs> girls from fucking, I don't know, Swarthmore. It'll be great. Swarthmore. Uh, the, the school that's not often written about in Harry Potter books. <laughs> okay. White, back to Walt. You're going for the Vassar pussy right now, so I want you to really bring it home for me here. White feminism is like trying to be the head cheerleader and a flyer when really it's time for you to be the base because society has always set you up to be a flyer and other people have gifts that deserve to shine. Do you see the difference? Fuck, man. Another bathtub falls Another. through the ceiling <laughs> and then also through the floor. Our bathtub situation needs immediate amelioration. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Fixing. Insert barn door wipe. Exterior. Desert outside Santa Fe. Day. Jesse sits on the ground doing his morning pages for the artist's Imagine way. Imagine if a show won like nine Emmys having a barn door wipe. <laughs> That's my favorite wipe. The, I, I put in all my favorite wipes. Wait, I think I took I out the star. I took out the wipes. star wipe, but I put in my top three favorite wipes. Barn door is just the first. Well, I put my top two. Um, Desert outside Santa Fe day. Jesse sits on the ground doing his morning pages for the artist's way. Turtle from Entourage crawls by, carrying Danny Trejo's head on his back. <laughs> Walt jerks off into a discarded bathtub. There is no meth in the bathtub. Exterior. <laughs> Exterior, high school where Walt works. Day. Jesse and Walt are outside of the high school where Walt works. Many children walk past. Can you believe Alabama almost elected a kid fucker in December 2017? It's kid rapist, Jesse. Fucking implies consent. Once again, you have changed me. <laughs> they sit on the ground and do morning, more morning pages from the artist's way. Copyright 1992 by Julia Cameron. Insert Iris Slow. This is a circular wipe. You've seen it in Looney Tunes. Interior, Walt's Kitchen, day. I just interviewed Kristen Ritter for a thing, so I know she shows up later in the series as Jane. Jane has a tragic arc. I know that from Wikipedia. I bet Kristen did an amazing job. Jane is not in this scene. No one is. It's just a wide shot of Walt's Kitchen, and then it's over. Insert another Iris Slow, that circular cartoony transition, because they're fun and whimsical and remind us of childhood in front of the television with cereal, where everything felt safe while our parents fought in the basement, and for a moment, the sound of their arguing would break through the din of Tiny Toon Adventures, but we'd ignore it. We'd think about the fairy tale theater video we were watching, or maybe Voltron, or maybe, just maybe, a scene with Pinky and the Brain, where we really finally understood that the brain's megalomania was grounded in a deep pain. <laughs> that may have begun when his own parents fought and he felt abandoned and unseen, devoting himself to studying and learning in order to drown out the sound of his father's fist crashing into his mother's skull yet again. Interior trailer day. Walt and Jesse cook meth. Sometimes I feel like you're projecting. <laughs> Once in a Will and Grace episode, somebody accused somebody of projecting and called them Hector Projector. It was so funny, I've never forgotten it. A bathtub falls through the trailer ceiling, killing them both. End of episode. Wow. 
Thank you. Thank you. That's thank great. you. Thank you. That is uh, my spec for staffing in 2018. Sure. So I can be reached via ICM and my website, Sarah at SarahBenincasa.com. You can actually reach us all there. Yeah, you can reach us all <laughs> through my website. It's true. I will forward any feedback if anyone wants to hire anyone to write their own program about methamphetamines. I, and I will forward it. Having seen all of Breaking Bad three times and some of the episodes more than that, you nailed some stuff in a very suspicious way while also mocking it. Right. One, Walt telling Jesse the difference between rapist and kid fucker. Does that yeah. happen? I mean, he wouldn't explain. That particular doesn't happen, but he... <laughs> My guess was that he, because he used to be his teacher, he acts like the authority figure sometimes, even though Jesse has more knowledge about other things. He unnecessarily... Yeah. That's 100% true. Okay. He unnecessarily... Uh, What's it corrects Jesse on things where he understood his intent anyways, just to keep a position of power over him. Mm, that makes in, sense in to me. instances, and that's what, or, a place where he do that. I figured his security, like his emotional security and identity, would depend on always being dominant. Yeah, they barely ever talked about the Roy Moore election. Uh, surprisingly, that's so weird. Yeah. Um, they should have, you know, a little bit in the early episodes, but people didn't like when yeah, it got too like political. Yeah, in like 2007. Uh, but that's kind of how they. I think he did a pretty good job. What do you think? I think yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I don't. I think this is a misconception. Once again, you have changed me. I don't think Jesse really gets changed by Walt. Mm. What do you mean? Jesse changes just from his own his own volition. Walt is the one that's changing. Am I wrong? That's a good point. That is not. Well, a bad I know point. Jane dies, and I assume in like four or f- three it or is, four, and I assume that must have changed Jesse in some way. He that is the. Changed. I believe True. that is if you had. I believe that is the single pivotal point in the entire series. True. I believe... Because Walt kills her. N- no. Walt sort of. doesn't her save her. Oh, yeah. right. Because he wakes her up uh, and she, she chokes on her vomit. She is the choking on her own vomit. The only reason I know about this is because I was researching about Kristen's career and so I was reading like reviews She, and she was really... She's incredible in the show. She's so good. And I believe Jessica that Jones. is the moment of no... There are millions of moments of no return for Walt and I think yeah. he was Heisenberg the whole time. There are all these like theories and ideas about like whether or not he was always... No one becomes this bad without having been bad the whole time. Mm. He didn't become a drug kingpin from a teacher. He was always a bad guy. So is it the idea that he his his moral I've heard people talk about Heisenberg and I don't know what it is, but like It's his it, alter ego as the drug kingpin. Is he is there any point where we are to believe that he's always had this character within him? In the first episode of the show, uh-huh. his son, who has cerebral palsy, is being mocked at a thrift store. It looks like a thrift store, a secondhand clothing store. Yeah. And Walt Lee his son's being mocked. There's Kids, these like bullies are literally doing bad stereotypical mm-hmm. impressions of his son, and they're like, "Look at me, look at me, blah blah." Walt leaves the whole store through the back exit, comes through the front exit, walks in, chastises the bully, and then breaks the guy's leg. <gasps> he breaks. His he leg. like kicks it, he like, like stomps it. He like stomps it. It, yeah. it and knocks the guy down. And at that point, you're like, "That is what I look back to. That this has always been here because right. that's not a thing a timid chemist." chemistry teacher would do no because and it would also be a lot to ask that he it would be a lot to ask of a human much less a a character on television that 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 they that they just at one point break bad like pretty much it's the ideas that they've always i assume have some evil in them right or some darkness and i think they they hinted it uh with they they have to i said that right right that's the whole point of it is the concept of breaking bad is that you can break one way or the other jesse says it in the 
second or third episode, I think. What are you just gonna go out of nowhere, just break bad? Yeah. It's incredible. It's like you guys <laughs> both did a pretty good. You did a pretty good impression of. Yeah, I mean, just because Aaron, Aaron Paul is a very different character on the path, but there are moments that are you hear. I mean, his you know his voice is his voice. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. I really thought about it, and we can. Uh, uh, okay, we could. I mean, we can go down like motifs and ideas about the show forever. I don't, now I want to watch. I mean, I wanted it, to watch it. It's it, the show would be made it. no worse knowing any spoilers. Well, you could yeah. know everything is, that happened and the journey. It would is be such an experience. Sometimes I will stresses people out. This is weird, but and people hate this. But sometimes I will look up spoilers about something because I want. Like I'll read reviews that have spoilers in it, and then I'll go see a film because, as a writer, this is only if I'm not going to see the film for the pure pleasure of it, but because I want to try and figure out how they got there. Because what's exciting to me is sometimes reading like bullet points of plots, okay. and then seeing it come alive on screen and seeing how they did that. That's because cool. I can have my vision in my head, and then when I see how they did it, I can be blown away. Yeah, and that's almost like you're watching it. It, it's it feels like watch, I mean, something. it's it's really it's really cool. Like watch reading. Yeah, that's only if I, you know, I didn't do that with like the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> How did they get the cape on him? Oh, I they took understand. his head off and then put the cape on and then put the head back on. <laughs> okay, so we're at the end here. We're gonna revisit what we did at the beginning. We're gonna play. Guess what movie Kyle's dad is describing? Having only I already uh, love uh, Mister uh, Describe the movie trailer and never having heard of the movie. And so let's play this one. And if you think you know, give me a, a head nod or a hand raise or something. These are recent trailers. This is a movie trailer. Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't know how recent it Why is. Why is she breaking the elevator? No, it's like 20 years old. This guy seems oh, super old. tall. He's going to hit his head in there. It seems like he's starting a new job. I can hear my dog. And his wife wants him to start a family. I might have to watch this again. I love but that. that tiny door takes you where? Narnia? So oh. it's those guys being uh, that guy. Being Mal- John Malkovich. There you go. Being John Malkovich. Oh, I want to wow. hear the rest of it so bad. You're going to scream a name. That's a good name to scream. <laughs> oh, then he just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> I love that bit. This is so yeah. good. I love yeah. it. I also, your dad's voice is. A good voice for radio. Yeah. Soothing, yeah. No one could do less with the radio is just about the end of the technology. Well, my dad's actually getting better with technology. We give him, I give him a little bit like flack for because he doesn't use your, the computer very your much. Your Missouri everything. accent came out more um, when you heard your dad talk. Really? Yeah. When you said you said I feel like earlier we had said flack, but you said flack. Oh. It's Sorry. great. No, it's great. No, don't apologize. <laughs> no, I love that. Can we edit that out and put uh, Jean Claude Van Damme saying flack <laughs> in there? No, I or love someone it. saying Joe Flacco. I feel like you get to <laughs> I feel like you get to know people a little bit better when you yeah. hear how they talk around their family or like Damn. where how mm-hmm. they grew up. It's very interesting. Sure. You just let us in to a vulnerable place, a place called Missouri. This has been the Never <laughs> Seen It podcast. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Uh, please subscribe and rate and review and all that sort of nice things that people do when it comes to podcasts. And we would like to put together an episode of user-submitted scripts. So if you have a script idea for a movie or a television show you've never seen, it can be one we've already done. It can be one that's coming out of nowhere. Please send it to neverseenitpodcast at gmail.com. And maybe we'll do an episode here of some of your writing. We appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you guys for doing the episode. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you. Hell yeah. It's a good show.